We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. Wait, he throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek Ciapala. Hailing this post-game party all by myself. The Los Angeles Rams punched their ticket to the NFC Championship game tonight. The 30-22 victory over the Dallas Cowboys. Folks, I have plenty of thoughts on this game. And I look forward to answering your questions as well. And numerous people sent them in via Twitter. Um, I can tell you one thing. We know we need to get a new uh, intro of the po- podcast. Now, some people have been asking about that. And we just said, wait until the end of the season. We see where the team goes. And we can get a, a new recording to put together. Well, but now we know they went further than they did last year. And uh, that's a pretty cool thing. 
Uh, now the Rams will face either Philadelphia at home next weekend or they'll travel back to New Orleans to face the Saints again. So first, before we move on uh, and get into the actual parts of the game, I do want to say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm a little under the weather, my voice is a little hoarse, I apologize for that, I'll do the best I can, but I'm just just glad to be here talking football with you. Also, I do want to remind you, we're available anywhere podcasts can be found, including Spotify, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave five-star reviews on iTunes, it really helps us out, and again, our shows are all over now we have Rampage Radio and Butting Heads with uh, Steve and Johnny and the Rampage Brothers as well. When they're back this week, it'll be really great to have them going and, and uh, talking Rams football with you. Okay, also, do you want to talk about our sponsor, Jim Hawk, and his outstanding book, Hollywood's Team? Most of us are practically addicted to anything Los Angeles Rams. Well, if you want to learn more about the Rams' history with a bit of personal touch, Check out Jim Hawk's Hollywood's Team Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. The book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the team from 1953 to 1957. Check out his son's story of his father and the team he played for in an era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. Read about players like Norm Van Brocklin, Elroy, Crazy Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story spanning the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. You can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at hollywoodsteam. It's available both in hardback and electronic form on Amazon on Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood's Team through various other booksellers on the net. Everyone, I've read this book cover to cover. So has Norm and Johnny. It's well worth every penny for all Rams fans out there. But it's also a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, folks, trust me. Check it out. Hollywood's Team, Grit Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth it. All right, folks. Well, let's get right into it. Going over the stats first, it was um, a 30-22 game, but when you look at the numbers, it's much more dominant than that by a large margin, actually. Uh, first down, the Rams got 30 to the Cowboys 19. They are 5 for 11 on third downs. Um, Cowboys are 1 of 10. The Rams ran 76 plays to the Cowboys 55, 459 yards total. They uh, gave up 308 total yards. Total drives, 9 for the Rams, 8 for the Cowboys. The Rams averaged 6 yards per play. The Cowboys averaged 5.6. The Cowboys had one advantage in the game that was in passing. Uh, Dak Prescott was 20-32 for uh, 266 yards, was sacked once. And Jared Goff at 15-28 for 186 yards. Not um, not not big on the passing game tonight. He was a little off at times, but he made some critical throws at various points throughout the game. Of course, he got the the critical third down run as well to to seal it up. Rushing though, this is the story, folks. This is the big story of the game. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Well, except us. I mean, for once we pat ourselves on the back. Once um, we thought that the Rams would go out there and try and pound it, try and use. Uh, they're running game against the Cowboys, and um, they did. Then they, they actually surpassed even mine or Norm's expectations on this. Uh, they ran for 273 yards. I didn't even see that. I thought it would be great if they got 150 today. They would just be able to run the rock, 150. That would be the goal. Nope, 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 nope. 273 total yards, 48 carries. We're going back to Dickerson days now. 5.7 yards per rush. Now, 
the Cowboys, the other shocker, 50 yards rushing for the game. 50 yards rushing. Ezekiel Elliott held to 20 carries to 47 yards. Wow. Just wow. 2.3 yards per carry. Penalties were the same. Four for the Rams. Four for uh, for the Cowboys. Only difference was really that pass interference call late that um, I know some Ram fans were pretty upset about, but it's actually, it looks pretty legit to me. Time possession, 36 minutes for the Rams, and 23-47 for the Cowboys. Overall, just a dominating performance. Uh, more dominating than, than the score indicates. I think it's a credit to the Cowboys that didn't get didn't give up. They fought at the end. They were able to make this thing closer than what it was. But the Rams did dominate. And uh, so there you go. Uh, individual, Jared Goff, 58 told you that. C.J. Anderson, 23 carries, 123 yards, two touchdowns, a long of 15. Todd Gurley, 16 carries, 115 yards, uh, 7.2 a carry, had a long of 35 yards. Jared Goff ran six times for 12 yards. Uh, receiving, Robert Woods, six carries for 69 yards. Uh, Brandon Cooks, four carries for 65 yards. Tyler Higby, thir- two catches uh, for 30 yards. Josh Reynolds, one for 19. That was a big one for that 19. Um, and on the other side, the, the big surprise is Michael Gallup. Uh, six receptions, 119, along of 44. He was covered by Marcus Peters throughout the night, and he made Marcus Peters pay. And we'll talk about that a little bit. Amari Cooper, six for 65, touchdown. And Dalton Schultz, one for 20. The um, a lot of ums for nice. Sorry, guys. Again, my my throat's a, a mess. I'm sick, but you know, there's a lot of people who are sick out there, and we're all enjoying this. Anyways, tackles. Akeem Talib was seven. Corey Littleton was seven. John Johnson was seven. Lamarcus Jordan was six. Mark Barron was five. Only one sack tonight. That was Dante Fowler, and our offensive line protected. Um, Jared Goff well with zero sacks. So there you go. There are the numbers. And the numbers tell a bigger story here. The Rams dominated the game. They dominated, I think, more than anybody thought they would. I thought we, you know, we had the game, our our staff and our guests all had it somewhere around 27, 20, 28, 24 in there. The score kind of fits it. The Cowboys made it look better than it was. But... The key of the game really was the trenches. And once the Rams took control of the trenches, they took control of the game. And the Cowboys are forced to do something they really couldn't do. They're not a team built to come back from a deficit. They're not a team built right now to shut down big offensive teams when they're behind. And so the Rams did a great job early on establishing the pace and not getting discouraged when – their first couple drives did not result in touchdowns. They just kept running, ramming the ball down the Cowboys' throats, and eventually they wore them out. That the, it's, it's all about the trenches. It's all what really ever was in this game. It's about trench warfare, both on offense and on defense. And in this case, the Rams up front in both areas of the game, offense and defense, they dominated much more than anybody thought they would. I mean, I I was concerned. I thought this Dallas offensive line would do very well against the Rams, with the exception of Connor Williams. I thought Aaron Donald would give him some problems. I thought the Rams offensive line, given its age and it slowing down, would have some struggles against the defense, and it did at points. I 
I don't agree with what the announcers are saying during the game. The announcers are saying, hey, Jared Goff hasn't been rushed. Yeah, he has. He was rushed some. And they made him uncomfortable. But they didn't get to him. They didn't get to him. And that's important. So the trench warfare tonight was huge. Huge. So what went right? What went right? The running game from the beginning. The commitment to the run. This is a different Rams team than we saw in the middle of the year. We used to get so frustrated with the Rams because they would abandon the run early in games, get pass happy, and then all of a sudden their offense is off the field and struggling at times. They're not doing that right now. I think in a lot of ways, Todd Gurley's injury may be a blessing in disguise. It forced them to recommit themselves to the running game. It might not even be really Todd Gurley's injury. It may be Malcolm Brown's injury. Because losing him and then having Todd Gurley's throw made them go out there and look for a serious alternative to Todd Gurley. That's where C.J. Anderson came in. So having that commitment to the run reinstalled. And also, it's really about protecting Jared Goff. He was getting hit way too hard. Detroit, Philadelphia, Chicago. He was getting way too hard. And if you have a strong running game that can balance things out, you're not going to have that kind of pass rush. And so what we saw there tonight was the kind of the culmination of that evolution of this team. Now the only question is, can they continue it again against Philadelphia or New Orleans? Will they be able to do that? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I got to think, given... The, the fact that they were forced to sort of evolve through diversity here, that they will perform better in those matchups. I have to think that, okay? But we don't really know. At, I'm really curious to see how the Eagles and the Saints perform tomorrow. Because the Saints haven't been right for a month and a half. And people aren't talking about it, but they haven't been right for a month and a half. And the Eagles... I mean, they're just, they're playing like champions right now. They're playing like resilient champions. So looking at other things in the game that went right, I really enjoyed how clutch our receivers were. Whenever there was a need, our receivers were there. The Rams didn't throw a whole lot. Only 28 passes for the game, only 15 completions. But any time there was a need, our receivers were there. That's a little bit unnoticed. Other things that went right in this game. The run defense. Who saw that coming? I didn't. I thought the Rams could do some things to contain. I did not think they would stop. I did not think they would stop Ezekiel Elliott at all. I'm serious. I have to be honest about that. I thought he would get his 100 yards. Let's try and keep him to his 100 yards and not more than that. Let's try and get him averaging around 3.5 to 4 yards to carry. And that will be a good day. Nope. Rams far surpassed that. They did an excellent job in the trenches. Another thing they did well, they didn't really get to Prescott very much. I'm a little disappointed in that. I would have liked to see them get to him more. But they did make him uncomfortable. He was flush out of the pocket a lot. Prescott was forced to move, step up, try and get away. And it was really his mobility that salvaged a couple sacks out of that. Another quarterback probably has three or four sacks tonight on him. So that's a that's a credit to Dak Prescott, 
but the Rams did keep him under pressure. So what went wrong? A couple things went wrong. Marcus Peters went wrong. And it's a recurring theme for him throughout the year. The reality is this. He gets caught looking in the backfield way too much. Instead of covering his man and following his assignments. And on the touchdown drive tonight, the last one for the Cowboys, I believe it was the last one, we saw that. No, second to last one. First, the Gallup pass. Where is he? Somewhere else. Not following his assignment. Second Gallup pass. He veered off to out of his zone and moved to the right where he thought the ball was going, leaving Joyner alone to catch up. Why? Because he's not keeping his assignment. And this is where he gets in trouble. He's, he's too much of a, a ball hog. He's, going for, he's trying to make plays. I get it. I, I get it. But you got to fall. This is fundamental football. I see I have multiple messages coming in now for the mailbag saying, what's going on with Peters? Well, what's going on with Peters is he's not following his assignments. The secondary itself has been like this all year. They, they have been at each other's throats. We've seen numerous times they've been arguing. And guess what? you got to follow your assignments, especially in a Wade Phillips system. So they got burned. They got burned. Marcus Pierce is so Jekyll and Hyde. Man, he, some days he's great, and some days he really makes you, want, makes you want to pull your hair out. And you have to wonder, with the Rams investing in what they did in Marcus Peters, what are they going to do for him? What are they going to do? Are they going to try and re-sign this guy or not? He's got one year left. It's not, he's not worth the pay for next year's money, the way he's playing right now, but what are your other options? The problem the Rams have with, with building the roster they put together was they built it to win, but they took risks with draft picks and other parts of the salary cap to try and win this year. So you're stuck with Peters this year and probably next year. And you got to hope he starts figuring this out. He's grow up a little bit is what he needs to do. Because he very nearly cost his team tonight. If that Rams offense was not on point tonight, he could have cost his team this game. That's just the bottom line. And you hurt that rush defense that played so well to stop their biggest weapon, and you were not there to cover your man. Marcus Peters needs to be better at that. So that's what went wrong. Other things that went wrong. Jared Goff was off his game a bit tonight as well. Uh, still making some mistakes. There was a point in the third quarter where his passes started going high. He had been pretty accurate overall. He's getting rushed a little bit. I don't, I, I don't know what's going on in his head. And, I'm, and I've had a couple people ask, well, is it possible he's hurt? And we don't know about it. Maybe he's having some shoulder soreness. I don't know. I don't, the, the team hasn't talked about it. What I really think it is is I think he's getting happy feet. He's probably trying to do too much at times, but he didn't have to do too much tonight. The Rams' running game carried him. So if that's the case, really, just chill, man. Just chill. Just chill. What I do like about Jared Goff is he's got a... Ch- Am I allowed to say this on a podcast? Well, heck, it's my podcast. He's got a giant set of cojones. That run on third, third and seven to seal the game, 
that was that was ballsy. That was ballsy. And there are while there are several quarterbacks in the league that's just that who will do that. That's my quarterback who went for it and sealed this game away. And it's a ballsy move, and that earns a ton of respect. So there you go. Now here's the big talk topic for tonight before I um get into game balls and get into the mailbag. Would the Rams have won this game without C.J. Anderson? That's a darn good question. They relied so heavily on the running game tonight. Again, 273 yards rushing. C.J. Anderson actually led the team in rushing. Remember that. He, he, he ran for 123 yards. Okay? 123 yards. And so, to me, at 123 yards, fall by 115, they, they needed that. They really do. I don't know that they win tonight without him. You would have had to rely on John Kelly some or Justin Davis some, but it's how he runs for those yardage, for that yardage. It's how he makes his bread, so to speak. How do I say it? It's He's a bowling ball. He's a bowling ball who will run through people. And when he can't run through people, he still has the moves to break outside. A couple of his runs tonight, especially in the second quarter, he had a run to the right where he put a move on a defender, which I completely, completely caught me off guard. I think it was a right-left juke. Try to remember off the top of my head, but it was one of those moves like, whoa, whoa, this guy can... Where did that move come from? He's big, but he's agile. And I do not understand how this guy was released by two other teams this year. What were they thinking? So here's what the Rams need to do with him. You got to find a way to keep him for next year. You got to find a way. Because he's a perfect fit for this offense. He's a piece that... This team is needed for a while. I honestly believe that way back when, when Trey Mason was the feature back and Tar Gurley was drafted, I believe the intention of Les Snead and of Jeff Fisher at the time was to provide that one-two combo. And while it didn't work out with Trey Mason, because, I mean, whatever happened to that dude upstairs just didn't, didn't work out for him. But... And now, years later, we're seeing kind of the fruition of that vision, having the two backs back there, two different styles, two different ways of getting yardage that you can be hit with. That provides the Rams with so much flexibility and such and so much, um, so much. Adds just a different dimension to their offense. Let's just say that it adds them. It gives them. Basically, a thunder and lightning option, and it gives him a chance to, to rest Gurley. If you think Gurley's healthy right now, go back and look how many carries he got. Sixteen. CJ got more. So he's not all the way back yet. And you can see it in a couple of his runs tonight. He just did not seem full speed 
at certain points of the game. He's not going to be right. He's my bet is, and I hope I'm wrong. I've been I've been around this sport a long time. There's something bigger on that knee. I would not be surprised if he went and got scoped this this um, this winter. But right now he's got to play through it. So, you know, I've been saying so a lot tonight. I guess I guess so excited because the Rams just won their first playoff game in 14 freaking years. Let's say it again. The Rams just won their first playoff game in 14 years. And when things like that happen, you don't even know what to say. So you fall back on the old, <laughs> the old habits. Other things to talk about. Game balls, offensive line, game ball, no question. Defensive line, game ball, no question. Todd Gurley, game ball, no question. C.J. Anderson, game ball, no question. Those are your guys up front. There's one more. There's one more there too. Whose name we've not said much this year? Nadam Kinsu. He showed up tonight. Game ball for him as well. Just really good stuff from him. And overall, what a performance by the Rams at home. Uh, playoff rivalry. They now lead the playoffs with the Cowboys five to four. It's a pretty neat night. Okay, so let's move on here. We do want to give a shout out to our sponsor over there at the Gold Ram Barbershop, Sal Martinez. Here you go. All right, let's give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the Gold Ram Barbershop. If you're looking to support one of your own in the Orange County area and like the old school barbershop experience, check out the Gold Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Sal Martinez. Opened up his shop as a shrine to the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he's kept the light on ever since. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS or 7267. Use the promo code RAMSTALK so he knows we sent you and get a discount on an already affordable haircut. The Gold Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. If it's to his shop, it's well worth it just to enjoy all the Rams memorabilia there. It's like a Hall of Fame, the Rams. But Sal also provides that old-school barbershop experience talking Rams football. He's talked Vikings football, people. I can't believe it. Uh, trust me, you won't regret it. You know, Sal even managed to look me, Norm, and Magic Johnny look, well, normal. Again, one more time, just one last time. 714-894-RAMS. All right, so before I get to the mailbag, one thing I do want to mention here because it annoyed me heavily. There was a lot of folks out there who questioned the Rams' decision to go for it on fourth down in the fourth quarter at the goal line. Pro Football Reference mentions this. It says, uh, to quote them, this appears to be the first time since 1994, the first year we have complete play-by-play data, that a coach with a lead in the fourth quarter chose to pass up on a field goal to make it a two-position game and go for the TD on fourth and goal. So CBS, CBS's Pete Prisco, who is generally one of those dudes who just somehow, some way, always is a bad take, launches in with this. Like I said, Aggressive stupidity, and he got away with it. Pete, there's a reason why Sean McVay is a head coach and you're not. 
Honestly, dude. That is the dumb take of all dumb takes. The Rams just ran over the Cowboys for 273 yards. They have a defense that was giving up some yards in the second half. You have a chance to put the game away right now. And if you fail, you have the the Cowboys offense backed up at the one-yard line. How is that stupid? You have a chance to put it away right then and there. That take is stupid. And anybody out there who wants to sit here and just throw this old school attitude, well, he should have kicked the field goal, why? Put it away. 273 yards rushing today by the Los Angeles Rams offense. You mean to tell me he could not believe the Rams would get one yard behind C.J. Anderson? Unbelievable. No. That's not how this works, man. That's why you're writing for CBS, which is perfectly fine, but while he, and he's coaching. I, my gosh. The, the need to have a hot take sometimes just blows my mind. It's not aggressive stupidity. It is faith in your team and seeing what you've seen in that game, knowing. Do you think he goes for it on fourth down if the Rams are averaging two yards a carry today? No. No. He kicks a field goal. But this team ran for 273 yards. Of course he goes for it. He's at home. He's trying to seal it. Kick the field goal. Unbelievable. Pete Prisco, that was just a mind-numbing take. Honestly, mind-numbing. Okay, mailbag. Mailbag tonight. Quite a few questions. K7 at Dustcat73 asks, how's Cooper Cup coming along? As far as I know, he's on schedule return next year. Nothing new under the sun for him. Uh, it was great seeing him walking around in the pregame. Eric Dreyer at E. Dreyer4356 uh, says, playing the Saints for Eagles, the secondary is going to have to step up big time. What do they have to do to step up? Seems like Wade doesn't scheme at all. No, Wade schemes just fine. And it's not that. You have to follow your assignments. The Rams' biggest problems in the secondary tonight were just guys not being when they were supposed to be, in particular Marcus Peters. And they probably played a little bit too soft underneath. They probably need – I'm not saying press against his receivers, but we're seeing guys uh, lying up on us um, looking straight ahead, like a second and three, second and four, and the cornerbacks are off six, seven yards. You're just giving them the underneath is what you're doing. Why? Why give them the underneath when you know that they're just going to get the first down? That was frustrating. But overall, you just have to follow your assignments. The secondaries have problems all year simply knowing their assignments and following them. I Joyner took a lot of heat during the game. Then go back on the film and realize it was Marcus Peters. Joyner is... Joyner has not been great this year. We all know it, but that wasn't his fault. Marcus Peters especially needs to play his game. And by his game, it means, yes, he's a ball hawk. He needs to go up and make plays. But he also needs to play his game smart. Follow your assignments. Let the game come to you. Why are you looking in the backfield? This is what the Rams secondary does. Not just him. Various players in the secondary, they look in the backfield. And sometimes it makes them play. Sometimes it gets in turnovers. But if you if you linger too long, you're going to get beat. Speaking of Peters, Rambo at 
In McVeigh We Trust. Nice name. How long do you keep letting Peters make boneheaded decisions that cost his team points? For me, he does not fit we before me. Well, I think you're stuck with him now. And given where the Rams are drafting in the draft next year, they're probably stuck with him next year. It's just how it is. They got they had needed to get him more involved in the system. Okay, uh, but I don't know if they go out there and offer an extension right now. He'll command too much money for what he's played for, and he, and he might be a better fit for somebody else. To be honest, because his decision to play in the zone, I mean, his his he's good in the zone. Sorry, but he still looks the backfield way too much, and that's what they got him for. But sometimes the the risk is too great. And maybe he makes too many risks or takes too many risks. This is from Love My Country and Life at Scottman001. Is Gurley hurt? Sure seen Ginger at the end. I'm nervous. Yeah, he's hurt. We all know he's hurt. A knee injury when it's been inflamed. Uh, like I already said earlier on the show, he probably needs some work done in the, in the winter and, and spring. So I would expect I would expect that he would uh, yeah he's he's not going to be perfect. He was still effective. And as long as I keep CJ as part of the game plan, this going to be fine. But yeah, he's still a little hurt. He was still effective though. Zikri at TSL Zikri, Z I K R Y. How big is that monkey that Whitworth just got off his back? 0-7 no more. He's referring to Andrew Whitworth being 0-7 in the playoffs, it's a pretty big monkey. I think it's a big monkey up this entire franchise, quite frankly. This Rams team has not won a playoff game since 2004. They were beaten handily last year by the Falcons. And here you are playing an old playoff rival, the Dallas Cowboys, in your stadium with a lot of Dallas fans there. That's a big monkey off your back. You, It's... It's fair to say that this team was never officially back as a contender until they won a playoff game. It's a fair statement to make. And if the Rams had lost this game, we would have seen those questions coming up. Well, McVay's 0-2 in the playoffs. So he's great in the regular season. But in the playoffs, he's... No, that's not what happened today, though. That's not what happened. So to see that, that monkey's gone, that's good stuff. That's really, really good stuff. Finally, last question from LALRAMS408 at LALRAMS408. Does CJ replace Malcolm Brown next season? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. And it's not, I believe, I believe Malcolm Brown will start in this league, to be honest with you. I've said that numerous times on the show. The thing is, is, he does not always stay healthy, and I think C.J. Anderson is a better complement for Todd Gurley. Like I said, thunder and lightning. We saw it tonight. The problem is we don't know the market on Malcolm Brown. And does he want to stay? I would think he'd want to stay. And I would think if the team wanted him and they would promise him some carries, that he would stay. But money talks and the desire to be a featured back talks. 
And so it just depends on what the demand is for him. I think right now the market is not going to be too high on him. But somebody might want him as a starter. He's been amazing these three games of the Rams. And I really hope they keep him. I really do. So that about wraps it up for us. It, short podcast. I'm, I know, guys, I'm sorry. It's a, been a long night. And, you know, I just want to get this out to you as, as easily and quickly as possible. We do want you to know that we are looking for sponsors for the new year. Reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 657-666-5453. We have a media kit ready to get out to you. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Apollo. You can find our group on Facebook as well because, you know, the algorithms are crazy. It's Rams Talk Room. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, also on iBeatRay.com. Folks, it's been a pleasure this year. I'm glad that tonight was not our last night covering the team for a post game. It's on one more week, and maybe even a couple more. The Rams win 30-22. They're on their way to their first NFC Championship game since 2001. Go Rams. Have a good night. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT.